My name is Jacob Cunningham. I am the FGA director for Jones County. I'm his co-host. I'm TJ Carter. I'm the assistant tennis coach at Jones College. I decided I wanted to do this podcast because I felt in my heart that coaches needed to be encouraged in their faith. But what we're doing on this podcast is we want coaches to be encouraged by other coaches to use their influence for the kingdom. And the second reason is we want the general public to see what goes on inside of coaching other than what they see on the sidelines. We plan to release one the first Monday of every month on Jones FDA page, iTunes, and Spotify. We are recording this during COVID-19, so our schedule of releasing our podcast might change, but we will keep you posted. This was such a great interview with Coach Quasey Drake. Quasey played defensive line at Auburn, worked 16 years for a sheriff's department, started coaching high school football, and is now at Jones College. We had a great conversation with him about coaches who have influenced him, his influence with fellow police officers, and many stories of how he influenced high school players many would have given up on, and even a Jones College football player who lost his starting position when Coach Quasey took over as the D-line coach. I hope you will enjoy our podcast as we dive into the heart of this coach. Billy Graham said a coach will influence more people in one year than the average person will in a lifetime. A coach is a parent, mentor, and friend. They're an influencer of the next generation. All this is hard to see just watching from the stands. When you watch from the stands, you can see the coach, but you can't see the heart of a coach. So join us as we dive in a little below the surface into the heart of a coach. Coach Quasey, it is an honor to have you on our podcast. I don't think it's a coincidence. Actually, I know it's not a coincidence that you are the first coach on our podcast because you use your influence so much as a coach and as a person. Just tell us a little bit about how you got to Jones, uh, your journey from a kid uh, playing football all the way to Auburn, all the way to Jones. First of all, I appreciate it. I thank you. I'm honored to be on the show. And to say this is the first one, it does speak volumes. So I'm very, very honored, oh, yeah. guys. Um, I have a little different background than, than most coaches have. I spent most of my adult career in law enforcement. I was a detective. I supervised 10 investigators and two evidence technicians. My college career, I played at Auburn University. And once I got done, my main focus was getting into law enforcement. I wanted to go to the Secret Service. They had a job fair. I met some people and they told me the things I needed to do and the steps I needed to take to get into the Secret Service. So I was doing those things. I had a buddy of mine that was on patrol. He came in and another guy was starting a semi-pro league. And everybody knows the negativity and in in how yeah. semi-pro go. And he came right. and said, man, why don't you come play? I'm like, <laughs> What? Uh-huh. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm 32. I'm right. no, I'm not doing it. Yeah, like, come on, I play. Every day he would come in my office, every day, every day. And before I agreed to come out there and help, I would always get little nuggets or people would come and say, hey, I got a spot at, at a high school. Why don't you come help out? So the coaching realm has always been tugging at me and I didn't listen. You know, just just like, you know, with God's message and free will, he'll send you messages. But we still have to choose and listen. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't listen. Because in my mind, I knew what I wanted to do. And a lot of times, not what you want to do is what he wants you to do and your purpose. And my purpose is clear now. And we'll get into that a little later. But I, I finally gave in and said, hey, man, I'll come out there and help you. And so I went out there the first day. And, and this is just how God works. Everything falls into place. Like you said, it's no coincidence. So the linebackers coach didn't show up. Of course, I'm a D-line guy. I played de- defensive end at Auburn. And the uh, defensive line coach moved to linebackers. I moved to defensive line just for that one day because the guy didn't show up. 
Well, I was doing what I was doing. The head coach came around. He was like, that was amazing. You know what? We're going to fire the linebackers coach. The D-line coach is going to be the linebackers coach, and I want you to be my D-line coach. Just that simple. Never coached a day in my life. It's a God thing. It's a God thing. It's all a God thing. One thing about the South, people love football. So at these semi-pro games, I mean, the stadium would be packed because people Mm -hmm. love football. I get approached one day. Guy says, he introduces himself, tells me he's a head coach at a high school. And he said, man, I just... I just love your spirit. And I love how you interact with your players. I have a job for you if you want. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bam, got my first high school job from the semi-pro job and got another high school job. And I was blessed and fortunate to win a state championship. While I'm trying to, you know, better myself at my craft, I'm going to camps. I go to Auburn camps. My brother is a, is a football coach. He's at the University of Kansas now. He also coaches D-line. He's been at Colorado. He's been at Tulane. So I'm going different places and picking up little nuggets and trying to work on my craft. And I spend a lot of time at the University of Georgia State working, volunteering. I'm not getting paid for any of this, but I'm just trying to, you know, be around and soak up any knowledge I can soak up. And so one day I get a call from the D-line coach there. His name is Scholar McGee. He's no longer there at the time. He said, hey, man, I got a job that's, that may be interested in you if you want to take it. So I, I, I just started coaching in um at 14, 2014, which is, is really in that long to say I've never coached yeah. before. And I started coaching in 14. And of course, I had a talk with my wife. I'm like, I think I, you know, I need to transition into this because this is my purpose. This is what he's leading me to. I talked to Coach Steve Buckley and I'd never heard of Jones before. So I'm originally from New Orleans. And of course, once I went to Auburn, I stayed there and began my professional career in law enforcement. But I ain't never heard of Jones. I wasn't familiar. It's not the biggest town on that. Well, I, I really that. wasn't familiar, familiar with the JUCO system. Um, and at that time, I'm not sure uh, Last Chance You had come out yet. So I didn't know anything about it. I'm like, Jones? I don't know. So I talked to him. He invited my wife and I down, came down. And I was shocked because in Alabama, you talk about a community college, it's one building, maybe two buildings. It's very, very small and intimate. Well, this is a college campus. <laughs> you know, it's not very as big so. as Auburn, not as big as LSU, but this is a college campus and it's beautiful. And so my wife and I, we were we were in awe. And in the, the ones in Alabama, they really don't have football teams. They'll have a baseball team, right. maybe a basketball team, but no football. So this was really refreshing to see how big and how college-like, you know, big, yes. you know, four like years. campus-like. Yeah, yeah. So we, we fell in love with it, and, and my wife and I thought this was the right place. But Coach Buck kind of played me a little bit. <laughs> so I'm all excited. I'm like, I want this job. I'm talking to my wife. And he interviewed me, but he really didn't interview me. Mm. And at the end of it, I'm thinking he's getting ready to offer me this job, and he plays me. He's like, well, you know, we got to interview a couple more guys. You were the first guy, and I wanted to get you down. But we got... Two, three more guys we got to interview. So I- I'll let you know. Kind of left me hanging. They probably didn't have one other guy. They didn't interview no one else. I was the guy. So uh, we drove home and I asked my wife, I'm like, he didn't offer me the job. She's like, yeah, I was expecting him to offer you the job too. And I'm like, did I not make myself clear that I, I wanted it? And she was like, maybe you ought to call him and just tell him. So that's what I did. I called him and said, coach, I want this job. And that was his whole big scheme and big plan because he was yes. recruiting me. Then he went from him recruiting me to me asking for the job. And, and, and that's how I ended up here. I ended up here from from somebody knowing somebody. You know, they knew I could coach. They knew I was a good guy. But to say I'm not from Mississippi and I have no other ties here, God placed me here. He placed me here to, to do his work and to do his his purpose. And it took me a while because the human in me, I, I wanted to be in law enforcement. I wanted to go to the Secret Service. And I was getting recruited by the Secret Service. I spent three years in that hiring process. And at the end, I didn't get it. And I was devastated. And I couldn't understand why I didn't get it. I didn't fail anything. 
there was nothing that I did that stopped me from getting it, but I didn't get it because yeah. it wasn't meant for me to get. And uh, some other things at the sheriff's office happened that he also let me know, hey, it's time. It's time. So he said you went to that uh, that coach and he had the semi-pro league. You were helping mm-hmm. out with it. Mm-hmm. Would have you went to the practice if you knew God was kind of tricking you and pushing you into the, your yeah. coaching purpose? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know because he had he had come at me from different angles before. So the way I see it, he had to come at me at another angle that I would understand and receive. And throughout this whole process, I've, I've realized that my purpose is to make sure that other people reach their purpose. Kind of thinking back to the times you, from when you started playing football to now, was there maybe a coach that had positive impact, a positive influence on you as you were growing up playing? And kind of how does that motivate you now mm-hmm. in your, your realm of influence here? Well, uh, my defensive line coach at Auburn was Terry Price. And the one thing I loved about him was he treated everybody the same, no matter the talent level. Of course, you're going to have guys that uh, have potential to go pro and they're studs and they're superstars. And then you have the walk-ons. Then you have guys that are middle of the road. And he coached everybody up. And at a young age, I saw that because I knew, I saw in high school that coaches don't always do that. You know, they cater to the superstar. They coach those guys up. But a person with a little less talent, they kind of, let them get one rep, then kind of shoot them away right. instead of really coaching them and giving them the nuggets to be a productive player. And he did that with everybody. How hard is that to give everybody the same attention day to day? For me personally, it's not hard. Yeah. Because one of the things I love to see is a kid who quite hadn't got it yet and maybe quite hadn't reached their potential. Or maybe, you know, some people are just really good high school players. Some people are really good junior college players, and and that's where they peak. But to teach them something that they don't know, a technique, a stance, and actually see it play out in the play or in the game, even in practice, that brings me joy because the superstar, minus the technique, they're blessed with athletic ability. So if they do the technique right, it's going to be even easier. But a lot of these kids that are really, really good, they're just making plays because they can make plays. They're superstars. Yes, yes. So to see somebody that's not a superstar and doesn't have the, the super athletic ability work the technique and it works out for them, oh, I mean, that's it for me. That, that, that's a joy. Yes, that's a yeah. joy. Tell us a little of story, if you have one, of a kid who wasn't that good, maybe came to Jones and he never really touched the field much, didn't play much, but his life was very impacted, maybe by your influence or another coach's influence. And it kind of seems like that's the reason he was even on the football team. Maybe not even to play football, but just to be impacted mm-hmm. by a coach. I have one kid in high school and one kid that played at Jones. But now when I got to Jones, his name is Wardalis Duckworth. He's actually playing defensive line at the University of Memphis right now. Sweet. And I love that kid like a son. He loves me like a father. He calls me pop, and I call I call him son. And the thing about him, he was a starter when I got here, but because of some things, I had to bump him down to second team, and that was tough because he was one of those kids and is one of those kids that always does the right thing, always give effort, but the technique quite wasn't there yet, and we had another player that physically was better than him. So that was a tough discussion to, to have, but I really believe if you love somebody, True love comes in when you're able to tell them, no, yeah. stop. You can't do this. That's a big as, deal. As long as it's out of love. I, I, I'm around these kids so much. You know, I'm dealing with 17, 18-year-old, 19-year-old kids. And they watch these reality shows, and, and it, it rubs me the wrong way because the term they use is keeping it real. I'm keeping it real. Well, just because you're being honest with somebody doesn't mean you have to be nasty. 
doesn't mean you have to degrade right. and belittle and embarrass. Mm -hmm. You can be honest without doing all those things. And people think because I'm quote unquote keeping it real, that plays into being honest as being ugly and nasty and yeah. degrading. Well, you don't have to be that way. So we had a discussion and he rose to the occasion. And because the other kid was just better, the other kid still ended up starting the rest of the year. But our relationship grew to what it is now, a father and son relationship. I, I spoke to him for two hours yesterday. My wife calls him son, even though we have two sons of our so own. So he's that integrated he, into y'all's family. He, he is. And the other kid from high school, he came out his senior year. He was five foot seven, 180 pounds, and played defensive end. I'd had some dealing with this kid when I was, you know, in law enforcement, and it wasn't so good. I try to really give everybody the benefit of the doubt and see a change in people and, and, and try to help with that change. And so I loved on him. You know, I was telling other people at the sheriff, hey, you remember such and such? And he was like, yeah. I'm like, he's one of my kids, and I'm loving him. I'm like, oh, you better watch. I'm like, no, no, no. We got to love people. You know, that's the answer. We got to love right. him. And so he ended up becoming a starter. He made all district at 57180 because he listened and he did the technique right. But you could tell a maturation from the kid that we once knew to the kid that we had now. And he had some things in his life, parents and, and things, some situations that may have driven him down those other avenues. But once he had somebody that was stable, that showed him love, everything changed. He just needed somebody to love him. And I still in contact with that kid. Of course, he's not playing football, but he just needed somebody to love him. Now, was it crazy knowing a kid in law enforcement with maybe with some trouble and then coaching him, was it hard not to go ahead and pinpoint him and say, hey, this kid is going to be a bad kid? Or from the start, did you say, well, I'm going to love him? That's one of the gifts God has given me. Right. And one of the things, when I speak about the goodness of him in the kingdom, you know, it's, it, it's a judgment-free zone. But the human nature in us judges. And I think sometimes that would drives people away from the church because people realize as a Christian, as a pastor, as an FCA director, we're just human. We're just human beings. And we all have struggles. And we all have trials and tribulations that we have to go through. And we fall down, but we have to get back up. But people think because you're a Christian or because you're a pastor, you're perfect. And when you're not perfect, they judge. So that's one of the gifts God has given me. I don't judge anybody. I take them for what they are. And if there's something that God has shown me that I can help them improve on, I give them everything I have. So it wasn't hard. I saw this kid and... I knew I had to love him. Probably because nobody in his whole life has ever loved him. Yeah. And that's the reason that he is. And most coaches think that they can, in anger, mm -hmm. discipline him, rebuke him. Mm -hmm. But he just needs a little bit of love, and that's a little it. bit of love changes everything. How about your coworkers on the force, seeing how you were coaching and influencing these kids? How did that kind of help you with them and, and mm -hmm. leading and working with them and kind of influencing their lives? You know, we deal with closed-minded people every day, and a couple of them were just simply just closed-minded. And they think because somebody has made a mistake or several mistakes, because sometimes people say, well, you make one mistake, shame on you, and next thing, you know, so on and so on. And if you show a pattern, then that's who you are. But that's not necessarily the case. It may be who you are at the time, but something can come in and touch your heart, and you may have a revelation, and it can change. So I was just talking to them about, well, we, we have to treat this kid on what he's doing now. 
And so far, in the beginning, it was yes, sir, no, sir. And he did everything I asked him to do. And then, of course, we get into conversations and intimate conversations. We go further and further. And as I was sharing these things with my coworkers and they saw him, it started to change their attitude. And I think and I hope that through that one kid, it carried on to other people in their lives that the judgment stopped. And because somebody has made a mistake, doesn't mean that they still doesn't deserve the love. Now, sometimes you got to love people from a distance and, and let them make their decisions. And, you know, when, when, and when the time is right, God will send them to you or you to them. And then that's when you help pick up the pieces. One thing I get the privilege of doing here at Jones is having a coach's Bible study with y'all. Mm -hmm. And I love sitting in on y'all's conversation because I feel like I can get to know y'all a little bit better. And as a coaching staff, y'all have some great coaches on. But one thing I know that they always reference to is how much you've impacted their life. That might not be something that you see, but <laughs> when a coach says something, like, and Coach Drake was man enough to tell me, hey, uh, this is something that ne might need to change in your life so that the players will follow you better. So at Jones, being the only one who didn't come from Southern, kind of came from another state, how did you feel your influence would be here at Jones with the coaches? Well, early on in my coaching career, um, even when I was in high school and, and working the camps, you see me on, on the field. I'm very energetic. I bounce around. I'm right, intense. Yeah. Uh -huh. I, I mean, I, I love coaching and this, this may sound cliche, but it's the truth. Everything I do is for the glory of God. Yeah. Every single thing I do. I'm not trying to upstage anybody. I'm not trying to say I'm a better coach. I'm, if God get, has given me this talent, he's given me the ability to coach. So when I'm out there, I'm giving those kids every ounce of me. But it's because of Great God. Mindset. It's because of, of, of God. So in, when, when I would work camps, a couple of times I would kind of taper off and not really coach because I didn't want to think I was, I'm not trying to step on anybody. And then once, like, man, I'm doing this for God. If they have a problem with the way I coach, they need to deal with that themselves. Yes. So when I came here, I told myself, well, God told me, just be you. Coach, yeah. give everything. Give everything at all times, no matter if it's on the field, off the field, with players, with coaches, with the custodian, with the cafeteria workers, with everybody. So if I have seen a situation, and, and this is another gift God has given me with, he's given me the ability to communicate well. But he's also given me the insight to pick times, mm. to pick the right setting, to pick the right season. Once again, it, it goes back to what I was saying. I'm keeping it real. No, no, no. We still have to pick the right place. So we have to pick the right place and we have to pick the right words so the person that we're talking to can receive the message. You can tell somebody something and if it's not the right place and time in the right language, they won't hear what you said. So God put in my spirit a particular time and place and he gave me the words to speak and I spoke those words and it worked. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't nothing I did. It worked and, and another coach and I had a very intimate conversation and once again, honesty is always key. Be honest, but you don't have to be nasty and that person received it well and I've seen a change in that person and our relationship has grown tremendously with, with everybody. <laughs> you know, not yeah. just between him and I, between other co-workers and the kids. So, I'm blessed and I'm fortunate for God to be pouring in me the way that he does. And I can I can see his miracles. You know, yes. people think miracles are always the big, well, Jacob picked the carp off this baby. Yes, that yes. is a miracle. But God allows us to see little miracles every day. Me being here is a miracle. Right. <laughs> you know, yes. us having this conversation is a little miracle. Yes. Everything's supernatural. Everything, everything. You know, I'm, I'm away from my family right now. My family's still living in Auburn, Alabama. And so that has been the struggle 
And when the right season comes, he will order my steps and put me in another place or put my family. Everything is going to work out. There's no doubt in my mind. He has allowed me to see every day why I'm here. So when I have those moments, because I'm only human, I struggle. I have a four-year-old and a 16-month-old. So I'm missing my babies. I'm missing my wife. And then something happened. And I'm like, thank you. This is why I'm here. Yeah, one thing I want to just pick out of what you just said is doing everything for the glory of God. So that's when you coach, that's not only how you treat your kids or your coaches, but how much energy and how much passion you bring to the table when you go out to work. If we really believe that everything is worship, then every moment is worship. We're going to kind of wrap it up with the last question, okay. though, uh, and it's a little bit about legacy. When your career is completely over, mm-hmm. coaching football, that is, mm-hmm. you always have influence somewhere. But what do you want to be said of you? I want people to know that I love Jesus and I try to love everyone the way that God loves us. Plain and simple. And I think a lot of coaches just in the coaching realm universally, they they miss that sometimes. You gotta pour into people. Yeah. You gotta give them tools. You gotta equip them. And you gotta equip them for the kingdom. And you gotta get them to be to be better versions of themselves in every aspect of yeah. life. And once you pour into somebody, whether it's spiritually or physically or mentally, socially, academically, but pouring into people, that's the key. We got to love people. Love will fix things and prayer will fix a broken situation. As long as we do those things, wins will come. Victories will will be had. Celebrations will be held. But how many souls are we saving? How many souls and lives are we touching? One thing, I know I'm going a little long on this question. You're good. You're good. We got time. We, I have a, a young man in my room, and he became a father during the season. Yeah. And I talk to him all the time about how important fatherhood is. You know, If I can help him be a great father because he doesn't have a father. Of course he has a father, but he doesn't have a father. And I hugged him one day, and it was the most awkward hug I've ever had with anybody. <laughs> and his response was, I mean, what's wrong with you? He said, Coach, I've never hugged a man before. So now every time I see him, guess wow. what I do? You hug him. I hug him. And he's comfortable yeah. now. Uh-huh. And so hopefully me hugging him will help him hug his son. One thing, right before we wrap up, just mm-hmm. real short, one thing I noticed about you and your attitude is this is nothing about you. It's all about building players, building men. Yes. So talk about, just for a second, about the, how it is to deny yourself every day as a coach and make it about the players. I know that's probably not hard for you. It's but, not. It's but not. just like everybody else, picking up your cross sometimes isn't mm-hmm. the easiest every single day. No, it's, it's, it's not easy, but then it, it, again it is because, you know, obviously this conversation I think is clear that I'm heavily faith-based. And so every morning I put on my armor. And a lot of times people, especially young kids, they think when they do give their life to Christ, then that's where it becomes easy. Well, that's where the fight begins because the devil yeah. is real. In the, the, and the, and the devil, he likes to attack when he sees great things getting ready to happen. That's right. And when he sees souls getting ready to be saved. So whatever our vice is or whatever we struggle with, that's when that devil will come tapping on our shoulder and try to get us to strength. In dealing with kids and, and co-workers and friends and everyone, I say a prayer every day that when people see me, that they only see you. And so... Because I believe he's using me, he's giving me gifts that I have to. It's my duty. It's my purpose. Like, that's why I'm here. It's my purpose to bring others along to the kingdom. That's why I'm here. No other reason. Now, he's giving me the ability to use football as my ship. But I got to get people on the ship. I got to get them on the ship to, to, to get to the glory of God. And once he bestowed all these blessings upon me, because as, as in law enforcement, 
I've been in some hairy situations. I know the guys here, they only see Coach Drake. But I had cornrows. I had <laughs> twists in my hair. I did undercover work. I did a lot of stuff in, in some situations that I made it through. It's only through the grace of God. So, you know, those things. Like, why didn't that guy reach for that gun? Why didn't he pull the trigger? Those are the little miracles that I talked yes. about. And so for me, even when I talked a little bit about how I transitioned into coaching, sometimes, sometimes the devil will use people and they don't even know they're being used. So I'm talking to a prominent coach and he coaches at a big university right now. And I knew the devil was using him because since we had this conversation, he's helped me. But I, I, I had to clear my mind and, and God will let you know, OK, this is not the right message. You know, hear it, listen, but don't don't use this. So I was listening to him, and he told me, I don't think it's going to happen for you, man. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You didn't GA. You're a little older. You're getting into coaching late. I don't think you'll ever get a, a college job. And one minute, he was helping me and, and showing me stuff. And then the next minute, he said that. I just knew the devil was using him because the devil saw greatness that God was preparing me for, and he tried to deter me. So God knew he was going to get you to that place, yes. but Satan wanted you to be discouraged the whole way getting there. Yes, so he wanted me to, to give up in a sense, and I'm like, and, I, and, and the, the devil still attacks me because that's when the struggle comes. I said, devil, you might as well go somewhere else because I ain't with it. And, and I knew that when that person was speaking those things to me, I knew it wasn't their true essence because, like I said, they've helped me since then. I just think it was a moment that the devil was using them to try to get to me. Yeah, and right. once I shook that off, I'm like, man, you might as well go somewhere else. I'm not with it. That's a that's a big thing is detecting the lies. Not everybody mm -hmm. is able yeah. to detect those lies, especially people who aren't of the faith. They'll mm -hmm. believe what people say about them. They'll make it their identity. Yeah. Our identity is only found in who God yeah. says Coach Drake was. I know yeah. Um, yeah. a while back at our Coach's Bible study, you said, there are so many doors that everybody else was saying no, yeah. but God said yes. And, and every day is a blessing to me. And I, I try to, when people look at me, I just hope they see the goodness of God. Because it's not me. I'm, I'm just a vessel. I'm just a tool. And hopefully I'm able to impact and equip other, other people. Everybody that I touch, I hope they can get the essence of God. And hopefully that's attractive to them, you know what right. I mean? So that attracts them to even just to want to know a little bit more. Just to, And I, I've, I, we've had kids, you know, in discussions, and I love intimate conversations. And I'm like, just how often do you read the Bible? Oh, I don't read it that often, coaches. You know, I said, just, you know, you don't have to bombard yourself. with Just read one verse a day. Start there. Start there. But take that one verse. If you have questions, I've referred them to you. Go talk to Jacob. Um, come talk to me. Talk to anybody about that one verse so you can apply it. And then that's going to help you get more intrigued. Yes. About, and, yeah. and, then, and that's how it starts. Just a little bit of truth can spark a hunger in them. That's it. You that's know, it. Just two minutes a day can spark a hunger in them. That's it. Well, just like you said, for me, I know I wake up working for FCA, and it's such a privilege. Mm. I think, wow, I get paid to do this. This is mm. awesome to be mm. able to just serve Jesus, impact people. Uh, I love that part of our conversation. But I think we're about to wrap this up. That's our time. It was awesome having you on our podcast. And, thank uh, you, guys. Just thank an honor guys. to talk to you, Coach Drake. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you, Coach. Ooh, ain't no way they can't know. Ain't no way they can't know. Ain't no way they can't know.